Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is, I mean, this might be the first ever Sunday episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast. And it's because it's a special, because today is Sunday, May 12th, and it's Emmy Awareness Day. I mean, there's there's a, there's the whole Emmy Awareness Week, essentially. Um, but Jason Reed hit me up about this. J- Jason Reed has the um, the Stop and Search podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. And yeah, it's... Uh, it's a great podcast, and he hit me up asking if I'd be up for talking to, for, for having him on to talk about Emmy for Emmy Awareness Day, and he was nervous about it, and I was nervous about it. Um, but it's an important thing to talk about because it's so m- misunderstood and not understood, and um, it felt like an important one. I'm not going to ramble on t- t- too much. I'll tell you that there's the um, hashtag Go Blue for Emmy. That's on on social medias. Um, on me, on social media, I'm not a sixty year old person who's the social. Are you, are you on the social medias? Uh, I'm, I've been on the social medias. So yeah, people are, are turning social media blue. Uh, the color wise, not through uh, saucy language. Um, anyway, I'm not going to even do plugs or adverts for any of my stuff here. Um, we talk about all the, the the charities and places it's worth going and having a look. I'm stumbling over this intro a little bit because it's a really I said it's a it was an emotional chat. I I know that Jason hasn't talked about his Emmy hugely. He's he's written about it a bit, but not spoken about it hugely um on, on mic or anything. And um it's a big one. I knew that I, I mean I was nervous to set the right tone. I'd give the right platform, and I think we did. I'm really pleased with how it went, and I'm really I learned a load, and I was amazed at how Jason, how Jason was. So, um, yeah, give this a listen, and I hope you enjoy it and um, and learn some stuff. Um, this is episode 267 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with J- J- Jason Reed for an Emmy Awareness Day special. So I'm joined today by Jason Reed. How are you, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you so much for having me again. It's like my second. Yeah, or kind of third, because well, yeah, we th- put out the live Leap UK thing, didn't we? Or was that, or did we put that on oh, Stop actually, and Search? Yeah, I suppose it's kind of four things. We did a Christmas special with Destruction. Yeah, we did network, the Christmas, yeah. And then we also did one before that with Susie, Jim and I, when it was quite a small network. And of course, now we're yeah, there's loads taking of, over the world. You've been on tons, yeah. because I tried to argue that, because on our... So for for people who don't know, we've got a distraction pieces group message, and on that it was claiming that the only one I've not done is stop and search, and in my mind I had, but it's because we did that live one that was the launch of it, but then we did that on distraction pieces That's I it, think yeah. to advertise it. So I need to come on at some point Definitely. just to c- complete my bingo card. You need to be the grand slam of the distraction pieces network. Yeah, because at the moment it could be Stu. Stu could be the one to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean Stu's. Trying to beat everyone by just starting more and more podcasts. <laughs> That's the one way of doing it. <laughs> it's like I've not been on the most, but I've started the most. So, um, but, but, yeah, before we get into it all, because what we're going to uh, talk about today is ME, as it's um, a special for ME Awareness Day. But, but before we get into that, let's kind of have a little catch up on how the podcast has kind of 
been been going and growing like some of the, the guests you've had have been amazing and for those who don't know the, the stuff of search podcast is a podcast that's about it's often live but that's kind of changing and evolving as well and it's about um drug law in 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 the uk and in general in in the world and the the mission to try and get ch- changes and you've done one you've done some like, historical ones in 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 the houses of parliament or was it and one in That's a it. um a cannabis speakeasy that type was an interesting secret one. cannabis club we, we had a police and crime commissioner in an actual active cannabis club in london so you can imagine what that was like yeah so as i was talking to a police and crime commissioner there was someone down below me because it's a massive great club yeah doing a bong hit and but it's that sounds weird, but it's all legitimate. You know, yeah. there's kind of a legitimacy to that conversation. And as you said, we did one in Parliament. Between us and our listeners, we've got one coming up in the House of Lords. We've wow! Got, so yeah, it's an, it's been an it's been an and interesting. This, these ride. are really historical things because these haven't these aren't places that people have had kind of r- recorded conversations in that manner, particularly independent ones. I mean, you have to go uh, through national security checks to do it. That's the yeah. funny thing. You have to be really quite you know clarified to get in there because yeah. The, you can imagine the security in, in the House of Commons is pretty, especially at the moment. It's it's quite sporting in yeah. there at the moment. So yeah, I can so yeah, imagine. there's been some certainly some interesting conversations come out. And for us, like because it's in the Association of Elite UK, which is Law Enforcement Action Partnership, it's our probably our biggest outreach that we've got now. You know, it yeah. really works. And as you said, it's all about drug law reform, addiction, mental health. There's all yeah. these overlaps that come into it, and it's just it's nice to have the conversations that we do with people, just because it just gives a culture of openness. And that's what's important and fascinating about it is is it's talking about dr- dr- drug law and reform and the approach and the perception of drugs and stuff like that. But it's talking about it with police officers, with ex judges, ex police officers, as well as people from ent- ent- entertainment, obviously. Rufus Hound, Robin Ince. Have you had Marcus Briggs talk? Yeah, Marcus has that? done it. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus has done a it. really interesting guest yeah. because he opened up about his own struggles. Yeah, uh, and they're not just ones that you'd imagine, like um, you know, sort of the usual ones of drugs and, and alcohol. But he spoke about porn addiction and and food addiction. And food addiction. Yeah. And food addiction is it's something that's quite a massive close to, struggle for it, him, wasn't it? And it's huge at the moment as well. There are so many people that have substituted. Uh, a chemical hit of, of a drug for food and it's yeah. something I've got personal experience with with people I know and it was just it was a, a moving experience there was people crying in that audience yeah. but Marcus being Marcus told it with such shine and humour and grace and it yeah. was just it was just I'd say life changing genuinely I'd, I'd, I'd known Marcus for years and I, I, I love Marcus he's one of the best people I've met through doing entertainment type stuff and when I had him on my podcast the, the the moment he spoke about his food addiction stuff, I didn't really know about any of it, and it's yeah. such, it's mad because again, his point of if you, you you give up alcohol, you can avoid alcohol, yeah. or you can go cold turkey. With food addiction, you can't go cold turkey. Pardon the odd pun, <laughs> food based pun, because you've got to eat to live. Exactly. So it's such a strange and unique addiction to battle because of that, because you need to cut down and get control but you're around it constantly you're around people eating constantly um and even our ceremonies in society everything's based around food yeah. you go out let's go for a meal let's go around someone's house for a roast it's just we're constantly faced with it so if you have got a problem with it to, to get away and put those barriers in place is just near impossible it's mad as said the the real the realization of how much of our lives are based around 
food. And my brother did um, only every few years. He does um, a fast. He'll fast. Um, he's a big believer in the positive physical uh, benefits of fasting, and it'll be literally all he'll drink is water in this time he'll he'll work down to it he'll go down through what he eats and then he has to work out of it because it can put your body in shock but the thing he found on that was how much his productivity went through the roof because so much of our lives is oh i'm not going to start until after breakfast or i'll have my lunch break now and that'll be extended it's like if you're not having breakfast or lunch or i've had dinner i'll leave it now you're not having dinner yeah even as crass as it sounds you stop going to the toilet really you stop having to pass food because you've it's all gone essentially and he's saying his days felt t- twice as long and he was getting he at, the, at that point he was studying a lot and doing a lot of reading he was like i'm getting through a book a day because i'm not oh i won't start it until after this because he didn't have them bullet points that we have in our day of of our meals so and, and this actually um overlaps into what we're going to be talking about in a minute i'm going to make a note of this because yeah. This really does dovetail with the conversation around ME. Yeah. And because, well, yeah, so we'll get into that in a sec. Well, let's, I mean, let's jump into ME now then, because one of the, it's kind of or lurking in the background of everything that we've talked about, because it was because of ME that you started to become involved in, in medicinal drugs and things like that, and looking into these kind of, or, or recreational drugs for medicinal a use, should I say, I guess. Um, and that kind of got you on the path of being a campaigner for these things and got you into Leap UK. And it's why I ended up having you on on my podcast and then you end up having your own podcast. So it all kind of ties in. So so where would you like to start? Kind of a history of ME and the, yeah, the stigma of it yeah. all, I guess. And, and it's weird as well because I said to you on, on WhatsApp before I did this is that I, I'm genuinely nervous because yeah. even though I've written about it a few times, I've got various articles out there. It's, it's easier to write because yeah. it's still a barrier. You can write it, publish it, you can get away from it. But having a conversation with someone, you, you know, there's far more ownership over it. You have to admit a it, lot more. It's finding the right conduit for it, isn't it? I yeah. guess because I love Are You on Hardcore Listing podcasts because you pick your top five. Um, comfort binge box sets kind of thing yeah. and it was good because that was the first time i'd heard you kind of touch upon it but you had another thing do you know what i mean you didn't yeah. have to be here's the whole episode is about sometimes i need to be at home for several days kind of thing it was just no here's the box sets do you know what i mean it, yeah. it felt it, it was a good it was a good gateway to to start opening up about it audibly and and yeah and that's what i don't of, like doing perfect. as well is is that when you do start to talk about it, it almost feels like this almost like who wants to be a millionaire spotlight and mood music that goes over you because there's like this pressure almost of quick, you're talking about the illness And now. you're a spokesperson for it as well. Now, mate, I, I, I had it at the end of last year with the work I did about having a stutter. I was exactly with the British point, yeah. Stammering Association. It affected me negatively more than I expected because I've never been worried about my stutter. I've always, or for since I was old enough to take more control over my own mind, I guess, I've always been perfectly comfortable with it. And, because of that work, which I'm glad I did, and I still am going to help work with them and all that, I struggled mentally for a bit with it for the first time because all of a sudden I was being confronted with it a lot and it was being the forefront. And even the stupid things of I was getting pats on the back. And I think the reason I've done the things I've done 
it's because I don't think about having a stutter. It's not me being brave. But then all of a sudden, if people were saying, oh, you've done all this in spite of having a stutter, it, starts to make, it started to make me think, well, have I reached my limit then mm. for someone who's got a stutter? And I've never considered that before. So it is, I, I completely get how nerve-wracking it can be because it's something that, despite the fact it's in your life constantly, you don't constantly have to look it in the eye. Yeah. And that's kind of what these conversations are. So that's why I was really conscious in our messages. I was like, look, we're going to make this as comfortable as, you, as we can because I know the concerns that you're having because I've, yeah, I've l- literally after 32 or 33 years of having a stutter, I've just for the first time had that exact kind of thing of going, oh, It was that episode that gave me quite a lot of confidence actually right. yeah. listening to that and knowing exactly what you would have felt and what you've been going through as mm. you were doing it, as all the kind of... The, um, the the circus around it as well. I just knew that feeling. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to put into words, isn't it? That yeah, it's really odd. That I, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, and 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 that's why, like I said, when you do, because just as imagine with you, you don't want to be defined by it. It's like no, no, I'm this person here. Yeah, but this is also coming with me. Yeah, yeah. There's almost like this shadowing that goes with it. Completely. So because, like you said, I'm doing a lot more uh, with the ME Association to try and sort of bring about awareness and things like that. Yeah. And I'm I'm quite conscious that, I, you know, not necessarily I'm a spokesperson, but ultimately because of within the league table, I'm sort of mid-league of profile of people that have got it. There's, there's still not that many people that are famous yeah. that you can associate with. So you've got um, the guy at Bella Sebastian. Right. Um, you've got Sebastian Coe many years ago. It's getting to the root of the diagnosis because, yeah. I mean, the history of it is bloody awful you know right. it's, it's really was one of those ones that is almost victorian psych ward it's that yeah. steeped in stigma still because in in the 80s when when i was first diagnosed because i was essentially i've essentially had it all my life but i just didn't know it mm-hmm. so when i first started coming down ill i was seven and eight yeah and i had glandular fever like many people do um and my parents were like okay let's get him over that and then there was just no recovery it was like well when's he going to see the light at the end of this tunnel. Right, yeah. And then after about a year, you know, people going, oh, it's schoolitis. You know, you just don't want to go to school. Yeah. And I, I wasn't that kid. I've, I've always had, you know, an adequate amount of confidence. Yeah. I, was, I was doing karate from the age of four um, and got to nearly black belt. And it was in Kyukushinkai, and Kyukushinkai is like, you know, one of the sort of kick-ass ones. Yeah, yeah. So that in itself might have contributed to the breakdown of the physical because of just how much I was pushing from an early age mm-hmm. and also because I was pushing through illness and I didn't know it. Being as a, now as a, as a 30, 39-year-old, God, I can't believe that's gone. So as a 39-year-old, <laughs> I know, bloody, I'm nearly 40. Yeah. I'm not 40. My, my, my parents are 40, not me. You see, I like the fact that a lot of my mates are two or three years older than me, so they're all going that helps. through the... The forty now, so I get to feel really young. I'm yeah. like, I'm only thirty seven. I'm only, th- I'm a kid. <laughs> Rather than having to face, I oh, fucking know, I'm yeah. thirty seven. Well, actually, <laughs> the, the age aspect, because I'm segueing a little bit, but the age aspect is quite amusing in itself because because of what the illness does to you, you constantly feel like the youngest person in the room because right. because and I'll get to that later about sort of yeah. the isolation side of things. Um, but the the again the history of it is that it was originally thought of as all in the head. You know, yeah. it's just. Uh, a little bit of positive thinking, you'll be on your way again. Right. And of course, in the 80s, there was barely any research went into it. They just 
got on with it. It was called Yuppie Flu for a while, which is amazing. Right. Wow. So imagine going to school going, oh, yeah, I've got this Yuppie Flu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, of course, it's called CFS now, chronic fatigue syndrome, post-viral malaise or something. Um, but I just know it as ME, which is myalgic yeah. encephalitis, which I'm still not very good at saying. It's yeah. still quite a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it existed in people thinking it was all in the head. So all the treatments I had were, all right, go to a, a shrink, write down a diary, mm. and then we'll work out how we can progress you from there. Yeah. And from what I know, because I, I, I almost backed away a little bit from the, the treatment side of things because it, it was so frustrating for myself and my family. Yeah, I can imagine. But I don't think it's moved on a lot since then. There's, yeah. there's a lot of major fallout within the medical profession and patients about how to treat this, yeah, um, which in itself is a whole big discussion. And, and that's an interesting thing you've you've said there is is is, is how to tr- to treat it because one of the breakthroughs again it's I'm, I'm only using comparison because it's my upbringing and what I've kind of gone through. But the really key thing when I was growing up was my parents deciding that my stutter I wasn't something that needed to be fixed. It was, was, was something that we may want to treat and we may want to address, but it wasn't something that, or even something that could be fixed. It's, it, I'm not broken. There's just, I've got this, it's part of me. Let's figure out how to, to, to manage it, how to work with it, how to develop and move forward. Is there any similarities there with with Emmy? Is it something that you're more, well, we need to figure out how to, to best treat or manage it rather than are we looking for the, the magical cure in yeah. the, uh, at the end of the rainbow. Totally. That's 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 <clears throat> unfortunately how it's become now is that the, the the money doesn't go into the right pots, it seems. And mm. that's something I've got experience with in drug policy as well. Yeah, is that yeah sure. You're, you're reliant on funding, where that funding goes, and who does what with that funding. So if, if the medical profession has got it locked in their head that they need to invest into cognitive behavioural therapy yeah. and this thing called the PACE trial, which is about cognitive behavioural therapy but also uh, graded exercise therapy, okay. that for most people is a killer. Yeah. It's it, nearly literal a killer. There are people that have lost their lives over this now because wow. of how much the fatigue drags them down, the depletion of the body and just what that does and eventually things start shutting down. Yeah. So when you've got a whole medical profession telling you, I know you've got it wrong, you're not feeling this, this is the way it should. That is hugely frustrating. And mm. ultimately, you'd have to find your own roots. You go, well, where do I go from here then? Yeah. But, which for me, uh, from the age of, I think I was 10, um, I had a pretty bad GP at that stage. And I was prescribed pretty high-level opiates from the age of 10. Wow. Which, again, knowing what I know now about drugs and drugs policy, is crazy that yeah. happened. And unfortunately, I'm still kind of on them, but there's a, I've managed to reduce a lot and, yeah. and have a lot more of a better relationship. And that's where medicinal cannabis comes into its... Uh, into its uh, I mean, that was definitely the era where opiates were the kind of the go-to yep. for a lot of stuff that they didn't understand. It was, oh, this will make you feel better. Have this, yeah. Or make you not feel, I guess, is, is more yeah. to the point. So again, rather than attempting to solve the problems... Or, again, address or treat the problems. It was trying to just make it go away, yeah. which thankfully medicines come along a bit. You'd hope that they know that that's yeah. not necessarily the And, and the, opiates the, the absolutely have their place. You know, they, yeah. I don't want to be one of those ones that stigmatises against them because there is a body that does that and that doesn't help either. Yeah. 
but there are also other things you can do along with it. So yeah. my prescription legacy at that age was antidepressants, mm-hmm. um, which luckily I've, I've always managed to have a fairly good mental health, um, yeah. which is a lot of people do struggle for obvious reasons and other people have managed to find roots and I've managed to find some you know, healthy roots within mental health. Yeah. Um, so antidepressants, they were saying, oh, no, they're just muscle relaxants, use them for that. Of course, that created all sorts of issues. Yeah. And I quickly found out that one of the side effects, especially with my version of ME, is that you react so badly to things. So right. I, I had um, I cut, literally cut my eye once um, and I had to have these special eye drops. And I was like, they're fine, just take them. And then they turned me blind for a week, which wow. was probably the most terrifying experience I've had. God damn, yeah. Um, and it's just because I've got a strange body that goes, oh, no. We're going to react this way. We're going yeah. to react that way, and that was why prescription uh, medication for me was always. Oh God, do I really want? I was going to say that's this? terrifying, and that's going to put you off. I mean, anything, particularly if they're t- they're telling you it's a mental thing, anything is going to be. There's going to be reluctancy because it's mm-hmm. it's 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 frightening. It's it's intimidating to know what next. So, yeah, if you've had one bad experience like that, which is a horrific experience, if you will probably have thought that that was it, yeah. at least at first. At least maybe for more than at first, thought that's it. I've lost my sight now because yeah. of this. And I went to I terrifying. went to the doctor, and I, and they referred me to like I can't remember some eye specialist. And the first thing I did when I walked through the door is the doctor saw me and went, "What's the problem?" He's like, "Whoa, I can see because my eyes swelled up massively." Oh, and instead of being sympathetic, he straight away went, "Can I take a picture of this for my journal?" Oh, so I, I was there. Yeah. Having pictures taken because I was being some kind of yardstick of, look, this is what happens. And that's been true right away through my medical history is that I don't necessarily get help from the medical profession. And by no means am I dismissing them because I've had yeah. some great medical professionals. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I've been a case study for them. Yeah. They've been learning off of me, um, which is certainly true of my early diagnosis because the the I'm not sure if she was a – what role she was, but basically, again, it was in uh, mental health and and shrinkery. And she was getting me to do the diary, and she was completely admitting that she was learning off of me. She was working out how she can help others through some of the things that I found and things like that, which is is so true of so many other sufferers. They're finding their roots and then teaching the medical profession. Mm. And you're you're finding constantly that even though it is patient-led, there is still that battle that goes on. Yeah. Because you're well, just not being listened to. Yeah. Well, can we just pause there for a second and can we just get a clear kind of definition of what ME is? Because it is a very misunderstood one when it's weird with podcasts. I, I, I like this. It, in advance, I asked you to do some bullet points for us to talk about because I didn't want to do too much research myself because of an awareness that the listeners aren't going to have done research before listening to a podcast. So I feel... I've said a few times on the podcast, I feel it's important to tread that line between being prepared but also being willing to play the Alan Davis role where you ask the questions that the audience need asked. On QI, he plays the role of an idiot. Half the time, you're sitting there going, I don't know what this is. He'll say something and you'll be like, oh, idiot. So that's exactly what you thought, but he's drawing it out and drawing the explanation out. So what is kind of my my my, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but one of my main uh, educational points of it 
was in Ricky Gervais's stand-up where he took the piss out of Emmy and was yeah, like, oh, it's, yeah. you're a bit tired. So that's – I love Ricky, but that is a terrible place for my education. To, <laughs> for that to be the main point that when I was thinking, oh, what do I know about it? Yeah. To think back to a Ricky Gervais stand-up routine, that's – that's not ideal. I think I think his joke was is something to do with the fact that that's why you don't see people in Ethiopia with ME because yeah. they've got to constantly forage for their own survival. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, funny enough, I did bring that up with one of his close friends, and he was like, "Yeah, I love Ricky, but that was that wasn't great." <laughs> it didn't help. It's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. it's a good gag. But it works the in the moment. It's I, a gag. It is what it is. That I didn't take offence to. I was like, actually, no, that's that's fine. But there yeah. have been others that have been pretty bad uh, like the journalist well I use the word journalist loosely Rod Liddell has right. been awful Yeah, but there's also been some fairly amusing ones like Adam Partridge did a fairly amusing one of when he was doing his TV pitches like Monkey Tennis yeah. one of them was knowing Emmy knowing you <laughs> I was like <laughs> he needs to I do speak that to Emmy sufferers but yeah I, I, I'm going to I'm actually going to push for him to do that I, I yeah. want him to actually go ahead um, but yeah <laughs> So Emmy is is still steeped in that in that mystery, and even even I have to absolutely, absolutely hold my hands up that even I'm a rubbish expert on this. I yeah. just do not know. I've lived with it for so long that I've almost backed off of the research. Yeah. Um. So there's been different schools of thought. Some people say, well, the literal translation is almost like an inflammation of the brain. Right. So your brain is firing in different weird kind of ways. Uh, so some people saying it's neuroimmune, so your immune system is all way off as well. It's attacking itself. Mm-hmm. It's which it does make some anecdotal sense to me because strangely, I have a weird immune system that is either brilliant and like Superman, or the opposite. I'll get everything. Yeah, and it depends yeah. what part of my life I'm at. Um, so there have been times where there's I'm almost certain to get something because it's just everything's going around. I'm depleted yeah. and that. But I'm I'm the one that's the last man standing because my immune system's kicked it off. Yeah. But the opposite is true as well, where you just get everything piled on you because you're just you've got nothing in the tank. And you're near some kryptonite. Yeah. Probably, yeah is probably exactly. The, that's exactly. It. <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah. it is. You need to just stop hanging around kryptonite. <laughs> it's no good for you. But and and that's where you have to be really conscious of life factors. Yeah. So yeah, as as much as like we just spoke about food, it's food and this condition are a tricky combination because. You know, it's like the best way I can describe it is imagine if you've got the worst bout of flu you've ever had in your life. Mm-hmm. You pre- you're probably not going to want to eat anything. No. You, chances are you're not even going to hold soup down. Well, that's what it's like constantly. Wow. So, so as I'm sitting here talking to you, um, I'm very conscious of the pain that's searing through. My body temperature is sky high because of, right. um, you know, just trying to be cognitive. Because that's yeah. one of the main issues as well is just trying to be on the ball and just – constantly overanalyzing your speech patterns of, is that making sense? Is that yeah. coming out? Which I imagine you've also got yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a very yeah. big understanding of, yeah, of, completely. of being self-aware, but trying to shut that self-awareness down at the same time. Completely, yeah. It's why I, I, I've spoken a few times. It was only in recent years I realized that it's not that weird that I like to spend time on my own. Yes. Because time on my own, I'm not having to talk. And I enjoy talking, I enjoy engaging, but no matter how second nature it is, there's always stuff going on where I'm trying to hold back stutter or I'm trying to manoeuvre around a stutter and things like that. Mm. So when I'm on my own at home, I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. And that's why it, it, it was a weird one for years because I enjoy my friends, but equally, if I'm on a night out, I'm normally thinking, oh, what time is it okay to head home? Yeah. What time is yeah. it all right to leave? And again, it was, it was only in recent years I said, I was like, that's probably because I can relax then. Mm. I'm not – I recently had some new um, entertainment stuff putting in my house and they the speakers have got um Alexa 
I turned it off after 20 minutes because I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to talk. When I'm, if I'm on my own, that's when I don't have to talk. Yeah. It's not a bonus for me to talk to turn my TV on. I like turning it on in complete silence and, yeah. That's exactly but, yeah. it, yeah, because I think when when you've got so the, the, the issues that we're, we're speaking about, I think you are more conscious of how much the world takes out of you. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, kind of, obviously in air quotes, the average person mm. doesn't quite understand of just the, what's going on around you and how that impairs cognitive function and, yeah. and just the energy that it takes out of you. And that's what this whole conversation boils down to for me is energy. Yeah. So you're constantly being sat because it's it's almost like, you imagine like, um, you know, the film Limitless yeah. uh, with Bradley Cooper where just everything's heightened. There's just the world is jumping in his face. Yeah. That's ME. That, I think that's right. the best pictorial dis- description that I've seen of what it's yeah. like. With, with the illness because you're constantly aware. Yeah, that's fascinating. So it's kind of a, an over-awareness or sensitivity to kind of everything that then causes, you know, bouts of exhaustion, of pain, yeah. of all things like that that kind of can cr- crush you, can kind of get so so much on top of you that you can't leave the house or you can't, you know... Yeah, and, uh, and of course that physically comes out as well. That yeah. Anything that... that translates from a from a mental health point of view then comes out in a physical manifestation yeah. pain um and it's you know like a, going back to the superman analogy again there's some weird benefits and i don't know how much of it is just me and being weird and how much of it is in me but i've the conversations i've had with other people that suffer there's also similarities in the sense that there's almost like a super sensory aspect to it so I'm constantly aware of what's in a room. Like we're in the studio now, we're looking out and into the into the office, and it's difficult not to be aware of them. Yeah, it's, yeah, because it's just they're there. there. Yeah, <laughs> bless them. And actually, I'm going to Im- impress you now. Oh wow! This is just just something I was only sh- I sh- I shown it the, the other day. Now, big up in the Acast studio, which says it's powered by Bose, so I'd imagine they've helped. So they're not sponsors, but it's got a glass window. And I've been doing podcasts in here a while, and they sh- they sh- showed me only l- last time I was in that you can press a button and it makes it not see through. So I'm now going to. Sh- it's not good podcast material because they can't <laughs> see. But I believe it's this. Oh look at that! that that's magic. See, that was I, instant, wasn't it? I thought it'd be a, a, a fade, but I it's need that in to, life. Yeah, yeah, that is perfect. It's pretty handy, right? Because yeah. genuinely, I was spending because we're beside the lifts as well. I was spending half the time like trying not to go. Yeah, is yeah. that? Is that? So that's perfect. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was a. Uh, so yeah, sidetrack there. <laughs> that's exactly it. Like the sensory aspect is one of the worst for me. So um, even for simple things like I, I, for many many years, and I'm talking a couple of decades, I couldn't go to the cinema right. because of how big and in your face it is. Yeah. And then I worked out a few coping mechanisms like rest before, rest after, um, try and get some kind of pain alleviation while you're in there. Wow. Um, so, because film is a massive, as, as you said, from hardcore listing and the episode I did there of comfort box sets. Yeah. Film and TV is is a massive thing for me. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's my solace. It's my escapism, as it is for most people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so being in the cinema, which is an all immersive experience, which you want to enjoy, and of course, all it was doing is causing me pain. Yeah. Um, and now I go in there and I chance I'll fall asleep now anyway, which in itself is an irony because the sleep patterns with ME is hideous and you can't ever sleep. Right. So yeah. I'm paying to go into a cinema to have noisy things send me to sleep. So, yeah. Which, again, 
for ME patients who may be listening to this, it may be a similar. I'd imagine a lot of ME patients won't be able to even get in the cinema because of yeah. just how intense that sensory is. Yeah. Um, and I think the best way you can describe it, because a lot of people do compare it to MS, right. and there are a lot of crossovers to okay. MS. Like if I have conversations, because I know a lot of MS people through medicinal cannabis, there is a lot of similarities within there. It's just, you know, there tends to be more degenerative whereas ours tends to be, you know, you can get fluctuations up and down, but the chances right. are you're, you're plateaued and you're, you're... And there are extreme cases of people, you know, really, like I said, dying, but it's not at the moment touched with life-threatening. Yeah. That's not to say that I'm dismissing the people that have suffered to the point of death, which is, you no, know, of I course, totally need yeah. to highlight. Yeah, that's fascinating. So it, it's interesting on the, on, on the cinema f- f- front because it's almost the... The falling asleep in there—it's almost that it's, it's overloading your system mm. to 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 switch you off to reboot. I, uh, a previous a relationship I was in years ago, uh, the young lady I was in had a few different um, really bad health issues, and we found that she again had really bad sleep patterns. But she found that any time we go to the cinema, she'd fall asleep. Which was perfect for our relationship because I lo- I love the cinema. I prefer going on my own most of the time, and this was perfect because I was effectively going on my own. But she'd come and almost always fall asleep, even if it's her favourite, like something she's really excited about. Almost always fall asleep and get a really good, comfortable sleep, not an awkward <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. half awoke, half kind of struggling sleep. So yeah, it worked as a good kind of yeah. It's it, irony, isn't it, it maybe it's for that, yeah, that the extended the length of our relationship because we had that perfect <laughs> little thing. It's like oh, this is great for both of us. Um, but yeah, that's that's strange. I was, I was going to ask if, if podcasts and music um, are something that help when out and about and stuff like that. But from hearing the cinema thing, it feels like that would probably just add to kind of overloading because it's not taking the other things away. The other things are probably still coming. So. But this this is a strange another because a lot of times there's a big dichotomy to this. Like one on one sense, it's like no, this is the case, and then another day it'd be this. Mm. So podcasts for a while were quite a big solace because I would go out, uh, and again, this is not representative of, of all ME patients because I imagine most people are housebound. I think actually, I think twenty five percent are recognised to be housebound, um, which wow, I, I have massive. been in that bracket a lot yeah. of times. Um, through various periods, I'd say, I'd say about ninety percent of my life has been housebound. Wow. Um, and then you've also got seventy-five percent that can't work, um, which again, I've got a lot of experience within that as well. Like the working routes, there's again a massive conversation within that itself. Yeah. So if I did go out for a walk because I've because I live in Kent, I've got lovely greenery around mm-hmm. me. What I used to do is put podcasts in, which is why I came across you, yeah, heard yeah. you, heard Susie Gage on yeah. on. on um, but now it's the opposite because I'm so overloaded with the workload that I've got and my my health is at one of the worst ever, believe right. it or not. Um, I now can't listen to podcasts. So yeah. I haven't been able to listen to yours for about a year. The only one I can do is the Dream Factory and that's right. because yeah. they're, they're about 25 minutes yeah. of film silliness. Yeah. And that's the, that's the only one I'm managing to listen to at the moment. I that's listen to one of Brett's. I listened to two of Brett's mm-hmm. uh, of films to be buried with, um, and again because I've got that familiarity of film, yeah, um, it means I've it alleviates some kind of stresses, yeah. But it, it is that that being aware of voices, um, like prime example when we did the Christmas special with the distraction pieces yeah. network, 
we did it in a studio in London uh, with Chris and Stu, you, Susie Gage, John um, from Dream Factory, me, and Jim Smallman. Yep. And, and Jimmy and Jim Havoc. Havoc yeah. Jimmy Havoc. And of course, I was, I was nervous about meeting Jimmy Havoc, <laughs> yeah, being a wrestling yeah. fan and, yeah, and yeah. knowing Jimmy Havoc's reputation. Yeah. But as you, you would have spotted it, on that night, I wasn't good because I was just so overloaded with again with... I mean it was another one because it was another situation that for me it was almost perfect because there was a lot of people there who could take the reins so it felt to me that there wasn't too much pressure on anyone um, I mean if you've got Chris in the room there's not too much pressure on anyone because he'll just <laughs> ramble on nonsense for ages particularly if he's got a pint but I, I felt in that because you it was another situation where you took a moment to talk about it a little mm. bit and again I thought that was perfect because I've said numerous times the drunk casts on the surface are a bit of silly nonsense. But below that, I've selected my two mates to do the drunk cast carefully because they are idiots, but they're also, I know they're good blokes. So, they are lovely. So we can get on to heavy subjects and have good discussions about them that maybe wouldn't be listened, but that the people listening maybe wouldn't hear discussions on and it was a similar thing there it felt that was that was a highlight for me of that of, of that Christmas drunk cast was the moment you kind of took to kind of explain your relationship with alcohol your relationship with yeah with all of it kind of to yeah as part of that so it worked it worked kind of nicely and and that again is strange because I still remember that feeling of going. Do I, do I say this or do I not? Because you don't want to constantly bring it around to the illness. Because no. you don't want you don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable of going. Right, so you're this now. I need to overcompensate by being kind or gracious or yeah, this yeah, that and yeah. the other. It's like I'm just treat me normal. I'm still just a, you know a div. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just this yeah. idiot that's it's, along for the ride. It's weird the reactions of others to, to it. And it, or, or just to rewind back to that drunk cast, it was great because we had I. I was pleased that it was a comfortable place for that moment to happen. But also, we spoke to Jimmy, who was there as stunt drinker, about his relationship with drink and his potential. It sounds weird that we had someone on a drunk cast and we're going to talk to him about potential alcoholism, but we got to talk about that and how kind of a similar thing there, how it was for a long time a medication thing because he was a wrestler and he was doing a lot of the tough stuff to his body and it was having a good few drinks after the show really helped and made it all manageable. And it was interesting to hear that relationship and go into that all within the context of let's all meet up and get drunk at Christmas and and things like that. So we've kind of, so we've gone over kind of of what it is a bit. I mean, we can continue on that a bit more of the, the, the kind of symptoms, but then also I guess the reaction of people, and, and, and how people generally are, are react to it. Because it's a weird one. It's one where people will have heard but not really know. Yeah. But we live in a society where we're quite awkward about asking questions. So I'd imagine you'd get a lot of people who are very sympathetic but don't really know what they're being sympathetic for or to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and also you, it's strange as well because some people have got the best intentions. You know, they're a lovely person, but they still, bless them, still kind of get it a bit wrong. Because, yeah. again, I was speaking to someone uh that's, that's quite famous and it came up about the illness because it was relevant, relevant to the conversation and they said something which along the lines of oh but but that one is a, a made up illness as if to say you know I know that yours is supposed to be a made up illness but I'm going to shift the weight over to the talking about so this that one, one that really is mate yeah which, which was a 
backhanded compliment, bless yeah. it, because it's like you still kind of have acknowledged a little bit of bias within that. Yeah, you know? that it seems to be. Yeah. And, and that is what, what some people think. Some people think it's the made-up illness, and that's mm. purely based on the lack of research, lack of understanding of it, yeah. um, because they still don't know causes and triggers. There's, there's still a debate over whether it's you can see biomarkers that, that mm. indicate um, or if it is all neurological. Um, right. So the jury's still out. I, I'm convinced that that, it, that it's a physical illness because obviously I, yeah. I feel it. Um, it's so weird because there are. It's not that I'm trying to make this all about me. Um, it's so similar to stutters and speech impediments because there is. I, I don't know if it's a mental thing or a physical thing. It's it's it manifests how it manifests. Mm. But there is debate and argument over. If it's neurological, if it's yeah, all these kind of things, it's it's it's, it's w- weird with those things. But in a way, the, the advantage I have is an undeniable and observable yeah. effect. Whereas with me, you're experiencing the bulk of the visible effect, mm. or 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 the, the 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 measurable effect, and then having to relay that. Therefore, people can dismiss or play up or play down in their minds how how big it is how small it is and uh yeah i suppose that is a lot of it actually is that if you if you think of it in terms of going to school you know yeah. it's, it's oh i don't feel well today but there's no way of proving it just because it's your word against someone else's yeah. and that i'm the the worst for, for, for that with my goddaughters i don't believe they're sick <laughs> ever <laughs> they're all i joke with their mum because she's really sympathetic and and She's always like, you know, a mum knows. I'm like, yeah. a kid knows that a mum knows. <laughs> so a kid, <laughs> but again, I'm, t- I'm, yeah. I'm terrible for, for, for that because they're because they're young kids, and I'm very much well. Sometimes you have to go to school sick, you know. Yeah. That's how I grew up. Sometimes I'm not feeling great, but also, I was probably a kid at school who would exaggerate things to not go because I had a stutter mm. because of whatever else. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm not, I don't feel well, so. That's just going off my own experiences, I guess, which isn't yeah. that helpful. <laughs> which is, which is, in a way, I think where my parents were not lucky, but they they knew me. You know, the yeah. fact that I did high level karate from a young age yeah. that instilled a sense of discipline and, yeah. and a sense of drive, which in its and a choice again, yeah. it's it's choosing to go and do stuff that you didn't have to do. So yeah. it's not yeah. that you're someone who just oh, can't be asked to do stuff. It's like you're doing what you had to do and extra stuff. It's yeah. extracurricular. So yeah. Yeah, and they and so from that side of things, they I'm lucky that I had people around me close that yeah. didn't ever disbelieve. They they was like, no, something's not right here. Yeah, and, and I'm very lucky with my family. They've been absolutely amazing. Still are. Even now, That's they fantastic. do things that are above and beyond. Yeah, um, and that was that legacy is still kind of here. You know, the child I was in the 80s of having doctors and teachers saying, oh, you sure, you sure, you sure. Yeah, it hasn't progressed. It really is yeah. still that same level out there. Even to the fact that, you know, there's still debates in medical journals of, no, it's this, no, it's that, it's this, it's that. Uh, recently, this, I think it was about a month ago, it all come up about this PACE trial again of, right. no, just give a bit of graded exercise and they'll get themselves better. And, I mean, and, and this is a very complex discussion, but I've got a weird relationship with exercise. Mm. Um, I'm someone that has been able to do it over the years because almost in a, the best way of describing it, almost in a self-harm kind of way. Right. Because it changes the pain. So if if I'm in completely right, clamped up, and imagine again, imagine that flu feeling. Imagine yeah. when you've had chewing gum in your mouth for too long and it goes pappy and starts yeah, falling. Yeah, yeah. That's what your muscles feel like constantly, oh, wow. as if they're disintegrating. 
so the way I combated it was, and because I had the background of karate and, and knowing what physical exertion felt like, I would wear myself out to the point of collapse so that I wow. could rest. Yeah. And I know a few other people have done that. And it's, like I said, it's the best way of describing it is in a self-harm sort of feeling. Yeah. So my my relationship with exercise is very complex. So when I've got doctors saying, oh, a bit of exercise do you good, I'm like, yeah. chances are I'd be able to kick your ass in an exercise competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you might not want to sort of just put that on me and go, no, just increase it a bit it's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it gets to the point where – because when I was I, – I first came down in – 88 and there seems to be a cycle of 10 years so in 88 I first come down 98 I massively relapsed to the point of not leaving the bed for six months which luckily the Attitude Era was on WWE wrestling perfect timing and that was again when I got re back into that because I started watching wrestling from Wrestlemania 3 and then then the Attitude Era is like right this is going to see me through for six months yeah but and ironically and this is why I'm so passionate about wrestling is that inspired me to kind of into, you know, it kind of goes back on what I was saying about the page trial, but I started increasing exercise a little bit through that. Mm. And then by the time it was about 2000, 2001, I was, I'm, I think I'm five foot 11, and I was the size of Shawn Michaels because of oh, how yeah. much exercise I was doing yeah. just so I could put myself on the floor in a, in a state of just to rest and relaxation. Yourself, yeah, to reboot yourself. And it got such. to the point where the cycle was is that I was just, I was getting up, exercising, dropping. Mm. And then I realised this can't be good either. No. So I needed to readdress the balance on that. Yeah. And it, and that's a lot of it is you're constantly reacting to yourself and working out it's the tightrope of yeah. how do you walk this? What way am I going to fall off? And a lot of it is we talk about harm reduction in drug policy. It's the same in this. Yeah. What's the least harm that I'm going to come out of this? Yeah. And there yeah. is no answer to that. It's all it's all individual and it's all it's all a learning process. And the best word that I think describes this is that even when you are resting um, uh, there's a film called Unrest and that's the perfect example is that you're never quite resting you're just in a state of unrest yeah 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 Um, yeah. and my my routine is quite not strict but I know today's going to be taxing because I'm speaking to you Um, I've got a a very good guest after this I'm speaking to for Stop and Search Um, and then when I get home, because I'm an hour away, because I'm in London, I know that I'm going to be in a big, big state, you know, yeah. physically sick, um, right. pain just constantly enveloping, just wow. migraine. And the way that I try and get out of that and what I'm telling myself now is just get to the end of the night. You can take your pain relief. You can yeah. sit there with hot water because I've got scarring on the back of my neck from where I constantly have to have a hot water bottle on the back of it. Oh, wow. A flannel exists over my eyes constantly because of taking the, the sting out of that, but also the, you know, again, blocking senses off. Yeah. And it is, it's like that that canary, you know, or the, yeah. the bird of prey that has to have the hood over yeah, them yeah, just yeah, to block yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you get back, that is when you can try and unravel the mess that you got yourself into. But I know so many people, like there's a, there's a, there's a girl close to me in, in, in where I live in Kent called Jessica mm-hmm. and she runs a blog and video blog called I think The World in One Room I think it's called yeah. um, and she is constantly bed bound can't move whatsoever um, she got married recently and had Amazing. the had the, uh, the wedding from her bed oh, wow. um, she, believe it or not she's now uh, with child wow. and she's I don't know how she's battling through that but she's trying she wants to get yeah. on with her life just like everybody else the does one- 
the one thing you don't need to leave the bed for. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> so that's, that's perfect. Side. Perfect. That's my way. It's the one advantage. <laughs> and yeah, and and that's uh, that, and it's the other thing because you know my partner and I at that age were like, if we don't do it now, we're not going to do yeah. it. Yeah. And we're trying to work it out. We're like, is this possible? Can we do this? Wow. And I don't know. I still don't know. It's it's, it's one of the things I want to because. Mate, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but I do want to make this – I don't want to make this an intimidating length, if you know what I mean. I think because it's such a big subject, we could talk for hours on this and it would be too much for people to take yeah, in Especially in one MA go. sufferers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. So I want to – there's two things I want to make sure we get to before the end. And one of them is the forming of relationships and and and, and whether they be personal – or professional, yeah. so so work life and private life. How how does that all work with with with, with such things? Because you'd need a lot of understanding, and that's that's not easy to find in in place. So it's it's often easy in theory and far tougher in practice and stuff like that. So how has that all kind of that, worked that, and coping or manageable for you? I think that is one of the biggest parts of this is is the isolation and mm-hmm. how you do get um, physical and, and, and intellectual contact with people. Yeah. And I, I wrote an article which you kindly uh, tweeted out for me, yes. which is about social media and the book of man yeah. and how social media has been a blessing and a curse because on one sense it gives a sense of connection, but on the other hand it's, it, you're beholden to it because you're constantly feeling you've got to update it mm-hmm. and the sensory overload that comes with that because at the moment I'm, I'm trying to keep off Twitter because it's yeah. just too much. I yeah. can't keep up with it, especially that. when in, in my sector of drug policy reform there's just so much going on. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, overwhelming. And, yeah. I, and again, that's why I'm exhausted. Um, but with regards to sort of personal relationships, again, I'd, I'd like to write the article as well of, of what it's like trying to form plutonic relationships yeah. because it's almost, it's almost easier to form a, a love relationship than it is a plutonic relationship yeah. um, because it's the same chase yeah. trying, to, trying to get a friend. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because you don't come into contact with them, so you don't you don't form organic relationships because you're not going to the pub, yeah. you know, you're not playing pool or anything like that. So you almost have to make a conscious effort of I like them, I want to be I want to be their friend. Yeah, and then you're overthinking it of like am I coming on too strong? And yeah. and then and like I said, like on WhatsApp, I'm constantly overthinking of because because I've got my own company. I'm thinking that, right, have I gone in too far with that? Right. Am I giving too much? Am I giving too little? Yeah, which which is. I've recently had a conversation with someone with, with, uh, that's been diagnosed with autism as we speak, yeah. and it's the same process. What they've been saying is they're constantly overanalyzing their communication process. They're not sure if it's right or wrong. And this is something that I've realised with ME sufferers as well, is that the, the overanalyzation of how you're connecting with people mm. um, and self-awareness and, and at what is the right point to bring it up, when do you have to caveat it that I might not be me at the moment because I'm, I'm feeling this? Um, yeah. And, and I, as, as I've now had the illness for 30 years and I still don't know when the right time to bring it up is. Yeah. And I don't know how to talk about it still. It's, it's a tough one. It's, it's fascinating the, the highlight of, of the challenge of platonic relationships over a romantic because it makes perfect sense because a romantic relationship or at least the, the, the hope of a, a romantic relationship has a clearer, defined, more socially put in a packet end goal mm. whereas a platonic one it hasn't it's like you are doing all that chase but it's like I just want to be mates it's, it's, like, it's open what you want to be mates yeah, yeah it's, it, you know the, the end goal of the romantic one is to be in a relationship 
And I was really polite about that then, instead of <laughs> being crass. But there's 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 varied end goals. But the end goal is is in general to be in a relationship. That's the same end goal in a platonic relationship. But yeah. it's not that's not written down anywhere, and it's not a discussed thing. That's so and that's fascinating. I've not thought about that. When when you're not able to go to the pub and you're not able to play yeah. golf or whatever, how do you carry that relationship on with someone yeah. that you want to be mates with as well? Yeah. The way you do it is via text or being. I don't know, some sort of idiot over Snapchat or something and like completely, that. Completely, you, you can instantly feel that you're hassling people or yeah, that you're yeah. on their case, or you, as you said, you're sending too many messages or not enough messages. I think that's a, 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 a problem of group message culture in general. Mm. I think it can be really intimidating for everyone in that respect. And I can only imagine the level it can be for someone who's, who's suffering from ME is that feeling of, how much am I meant to be engaging in the group messages? Is, is everyone going to be offended because I'm not? Hmm. And again, the reality is no one gives a fuck. That's the thing. <laughs> Everyone's worrying yeah. about themselves. No one's worried. Like I'm too worried about if I'm engaging enough to yeah. worry about if Jason's engaging enough. And it's such a weird thing, but it is troubling and, and damaging. I'm I'm on a group message. And I had to have a word with a, one of my mates who's one of the people I'm closest to, to on there because I was like, it felt to me as if he felt a responsibility to entertain everyone all day, every day. And it's like, you've got a life to lead and you've got a lot of changes going on in your life at the moment. And you can't be the the clown for us. Yeah. You know, you don't, you've not got responsibility there. It's a fucking group message. Um, but it's weird. It's weird. These added s- social pressures yeah. from social media to group messages where it's, it's, synthesized socializing it's not yes. real socializing and it's it can be a hugely positive thing it's weird and i was thinking i'm going to recommend a podcast of, of mine for you to listen to but only when you're ready to Go, um yeah, please. I, I, when i had johan harry on we had a big discussion about he's done a lot looking into, into depression and he was saying i'm sorry for repeating it here if people have listened but he was saying how one of the biggest causes of depression is isolation. Yes. And one of the other biggest um, problems with depression is the lack of awareness of where you are and what the issue is and therefore not addressing it. And just in that moment, it kind of occurred to me, I've always banged on about how damaging social media can be, but one of the reasons I think is that it's given us the illusion of socialising when we're really isolated. So we're not realising how isolated we are because we're like, oh, I've got thousands of friends but you're not actually engaging with any. And because you're seeing their day-to-day life in Facebook updates, you're not, you've not got anything to talk to them about anyway. You're like, oh, I know what's going on. I don't need to catch up. And I think if we didn't have social media, it seems weird to say it it, push us to the edge quicker, but I think we would pick the phone up more or talk to people directly more. But because it's like, no, no, I've seen, oh, we know how everyone's doing. I think it is, it's that, we're not aware of how lonely we all are as yeah. a society. And I think that's really affecting our mental health. And again, I can only imagine the increase in, in damage and effect that can have from on, on ME sufferers. Cause it's, it's, it's another thing that, that you don't know why it's happening or why it's getting worse and worse. And that's, that, that makes it worse in itself. It's self-perpetuating. And, and the different forms of communication we've got now is interesting and how, different people respond better to different scenarios so for me um, I'm better on text so because it's I can read it it goes in quicker Mm -hmm. Um, whereas other people are better on the phone whereas I 
I'm absolutely awful on the phone because it takes the sense away from me. Couldn't agree more. I had an important phone call I had to arrange this morning and I was given the person's number and it's a, a proper famous guy. And in the message I sent to say, I'm available if you want to call me, I added, but equally, n- now we've got each other's numbers, I'm fine to text. Yeah, and and yeah. that was purely my own discomfort. Yeah. And he, he rung immediately and I was like, ah, ah yeah. and it was fine and I got through it. But even on that, when it's like we were meant to be meeting in person, it was downgraded to a phone call by them and then I tried to downgrade it to just it's just text and and I found that exactly that scenario yesterday as well I I was waiting on a on a on a phone call from a big institution and um, it was awful it was like the best way of describing it is like a rocky montage of building Mm. up to it and going right get ready get ready get ready try and be on the ball try and focus trying to get your senses in line Um, and I I can't stand the phone so trying to get Two ME sufferers to get a phone call together is ridiculous. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, oh no, I've got to cancel today. I've got, and that's another aspect as well is the constant, never sure if we're going to have to cancel on someone. Yeah, that is a fear in itself. Yeah, because like today, I knew today was going to be a hard day, so I've tried to do preparations. It got to the point where I was like, right, I am generally like last night I was feeling awful, and mm. I was like, I don't know if it's going to happen. Mm. And the fear of cancelling is just awful because yeah. it's just something I, 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 I touch wood. I'm pretty good at not because I can manage to plan ahead in some sort of way and I've got the outlet of knowing I've got the appropriate pain medication I can get out on the other side. Yeah. But the fear of that, and of course that adds to the, the, the physical pressure as well because if you've got that stress and anxiety going on, it manifests physically I, as well. I think it's got to be the, the key of, of finding the, the balance as well though because – sometimes the right thing to do would be to cancel, you know. Mm. I know it's never ideal, but I, I've, I've from just a social anxiety things I had, or an example, I had uh, Gizzy Erskine on the podcast and she had a bit of a breakdown because she, cause she, she was meant to be going to the Cure Awards and the dresses that she'd been sent, again, as a woman at any awards, there's huge analysis on the outfit. The, the dresses that she'd been sent, none of them... F- fitted because she'd she'd put on some weight in the last month or two and she got really uncomfortable and decided she'd be happy and not going and she did a post about it and it got a lot of love because it was really supportive but one of the things that I discussed with her which I don't think many people have asked I was like so what did you end up doing instead she went oh I went to a local pub that's got really good good food of a mate of mine I was like did you have a good night she's like yeah it's great I was like and uh, it's yeah. sad that something got on top of you so much that made you. But cancelling was the right ch- yeah. choice there. Yeah. You, you did the right thing. You would have had a fucking horrible time if you'd forced yourself to go. And again, it's picking the right scenarios and situations that's right for you mentally and physically, I think. But yeah, if it's it, it must be horrible that it's a the bigger something, the more something means to you, yeah. the more yeah. likely yeah. you feel you have to cancel. So that's a horrible juxtaposition and conflict of... I really want to do this, therefore I don't know if I can. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. And, and and you get you get well-meaning advice from people saying, "I'll oh, just rest up." It's like energy doesn't work that way. You don't. Yeah. You, you've not got a piggy bank. You go, oh, "I'll just put that away." I'll just put that away. Yeah. It's so dependent on so many different factors. Yeah. And and like you said, I that knowing your own mind and being consolidated on what you want to do is something that I've been quite lucky on because of my my mental health and my outlooks. I've managed to. I know what. It's important to me, and I've the fear of missing out. I used to have 
especially in my early 20s and, and things. But I don't have it anymore because yeah. I'm all right knowing what I want to do. I swear I've n- never had it. I, I, I have the fear of missing home. Yeah, the, yeah. the fear of not being at home watching TV. <laughs> I'll be out and I'll be like, oh, I'm not really. I'm only a few episodes into the new s- series of the OA. Maybe I should just pop back. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there have been so many nights out that I've not gone on and I've been sat at home going, oh, this is great. I'm so glad I'm not in that club at yeah. this time or whatever. But yeah, and it like, is a very r- real thing. So it's a, And again, I'm lucky because I feel like I've got a lot out of my system um, because of being my from 2000 to 2008, I was in a, a pretty big working band that we did in London and Kent. Yeah. And that, it was the only thing I could do. You know, I couldn't do it. Like my entire days were structured to do that one gig. Wow. Yeah. F- probably three gigs a week mm-hmm. um, and nothing else. You know, I couldn't cope with anything else. Yeah. But that alleviation, that, that release was enough to make me think, no, I'm having a life here. Yeah. And that, for a lot of MA sufferers, is important of going, am I living Am I actually yeah. having a life yeah, or am yeah, I existing? Yeah, 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 yeah. And existence isn't good enough for most people because no. most people are overachievers. They want to do something more. Yeah. So when you are confined to the bed, the sofa, and you're constantly in pain, that fear of missing out or that, God, life's happening out there without me, Yeah, that can be quite overwhelming. Because it's out of your control. Yeah. Again, I kind of joked about not having a fear of missing out, but it's because it's, it's in my control. It's my choice. But when you've not got that choice, then that's... That's horrendous, right? Yeah, and that's that's one of the main coping mechanisms that people. Because obviously, I speak to people that have, that are new to this, and mm. they're finding their way of like. They, some people have had their life. You know, they've they've had forty years of normality, come down with it, and go. Well, what do I do now? What mm. happens? And and fibromyalgia. This is another one that most people would have potentially heard of because it's that's had a bit, almost a bit of a rebrand. They're quite very similar, very parallel. They're almost you know kind of conjoined. Most people say, oh, he's got ME or and fibro, they're mm. kind of um, – and people that are getting fibro now are going, shit, what do I do? <laughs> Where does life exist now in this bubble? Yeah. Because I don't know how to get out in it now and I don't know how to digest food and yeah. and, my, and this pain I'm going through I need to do something about, but there's no recognised way of getting around it, yeah. um, which is why people go, well, have you tried yoga? And, and it's like, bless you, you know, you're trying to help, but, yeah, 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 but yeah. Um, you know, not necessarily – well, I mean, uh, uh, let's r- wrap things up there. Um, obviously, it's Hemi Awareness Day, so, so, so let's kind of end on what, I don't know, I guess some advice, not necessarily for people suffering because it's so individual and specific and yeah. different scenarios, more advice for people who are kind of hearing about it for the first time, how they can approach it, how they can help in their reaction or, or or find out more and just be better allies i guess to yeah. those who are going through this and that's that's key to it like you said be a good ally yeah um so the the, the resources that i recommend is definitely the me association they've been brilliant to me over the years yeah. they, they've been with me since day one and my parents um, so the me association google them they're brilliant um, action for ME are really good. I recommend them as well, and uh, ME Action as well, which mm-hmm. is I think I think predominantly like a US based yeah. organisation, but they do a lot over here. Uh, there's a thing called Millions Missing, which every so often is the people go out there, take their loved ones' shoes, and go look. They should be here, and it's, it's like a kind of a peaceful protest, oh, wow. just to kind of highlight what's going on. Yeah. Um, but just don't judge. Don't think you know what this is. It's yeah. it's not. You're a bit tired. 
because because yeah. I, I had that I had that literally this week. Someone that I knew, I, I, I know him in the supermarket. We say hello, and he was talking to me. I went, oh yeah, I, I, it came up in conversation because I, I don't bring it up. Yeah. I, I try to keep this this veneer of yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm this person, but it, it, it organically approached of no, I've got ME. And he went, oh, that's the one where you get a bit tired, isn't it? I'm like. It's not. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish it was as simple as that. Imagine personal Armageddon and you've got somewhere that might be kind of. Yeah. Similar. Again, I think that's the easiest thing. The, 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 the thing that sticks in my head is rather than being a bit tired, it's being a bit in constant pain and being a bit in conflict with your mind and body all in one. So yeah. a bit that, that doesn't really come into it, but it's that, yeah, it's that, yeah, it's. That's where I hadn't really understood it and myself completely. I'd known it affected socialising a lot. I know it affected anxiety a lot, but I didn't really know the full, the physicality of it, I guess, which is the bit that's, that's that, or yeah, literally that's, crushing. That's the bit that that's the, that's the, yeah. and, <clears throat> and from uh, one thing that I'd give to any po- person that's new to this is work out the way to rest properly. Because okay. if there's one thing I can do, and, and my other half, um, who again is, is absolutely fantastic with this. Yeah. You know, again, without my parents, without my brother, and without my other half, I'd be a different person because yeah. they are just absolutely amazing. They always have been. Yeah. Um, and my other half said to me is that she never knew how to rest before she met me. Right. Because she would she would come in from work or uh, college, obviously years ago, and uh, she would just sit there and she would just kind of lounge on the sofa. Whereas now I'm like, no, rest is an event. You, you need to build up to it. So have all the accompaniments you need. Have the TV and the sound system set up perfectly so that it's, it's not too much, but it's also enough. Yeah. Um, have the lighting perfect. Invest in your lighting. So I've got, I've got all the kind of nice crystally tea light things you can imagine. I've got lava lamps that do all sorts of effects that you've never seen in your life. Amazing. Uh, I've got a star project. I think I sent you an image. Like when we first knew each other, yeah. we was watching WrestleMania. Yeah. And I said, my Undertaker's entrance is better than anyone else's because of everything I had in my room as the Undertaker was coming out. It was Amazing. just, it was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and that is it. Learn how to rest properly. Don't, don't squander it. Actually yeah. come in, shower, if you can, you know, keep up with your hygiene as best as you can because that's a, an aspect in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't rest without being completely clean. That's yeah. one of the things that is, I've just always had that process of needing to and properly rest and go for it. Mm. That's the best advice I think that I could give to any new sufferer for this. I love that. Oh, well, thank you very much. And people can obviously listen to this, uh, to you on the Stop and Search podcast, but you're on t- Twitter and Instagram Jason Tron. Is Jason both? Tron, yeah. The Jason Tron on Instagram, which I'm not hugely active on, but I tend to post like Kent Countryside pictures of gerbils and things Excellent. like that. Perfect. And on Twitter, Jason Tron. Yeah. And of course, if you want to follow the organisation I'm involved with, at UK Leap. And yeah, and thank you so much for having me in this conversation, Pete, because like I said to you, it's pretty much only you that I could have this conversation with yeah, because I just wouldn't be able to do it. Again, it's great because it is one that is like... It's, <laughs> It's not a conversation that would necessarily have happened organically, partly because no. neither of us are that social. And <laughs> yeah. we both would have had to take a hell of a trip to just have a casual hangout. Yeah. Like, again, so it's, it's, it's what I love about the podcast is it makes both of us a st- studious workers. And where we can, if we've committed to something, then we'll, we'll make that work. And it felt like this was the perfect one where we've both gone, right, we're, we're going to do this. So 
it will be done and it will be <laughs> and it will yeah. happen so, so yeah i've i've been honored to have the yeah t- 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 to be tr- trusted with it, i guess so thank you very much no thank you like i said without you i just wouldn't be having this conversation so thank you that's great wicked You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I'll be back next week, as ever, on Wednesday. Sp- spread the word on this one. Obviously, I made a huge deal on Wednesday about spreading the word of the Tim Clare episode. And if you missed that, then go and give it a listen, because it's a really it's one that meant the world to me. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, b- But obviously, this one needs even more. It's, it's an awareness podcast. So the more you spread it, the more awareness there will be. So yeah, get spreading the word on this and talk to people about it. Have a chat, as Jason says at the end there. I'll see you next week. So for now, ta-ta.